Running a company is no easy feat. It is essential for business leaders to implement a plan of action to accomplish company goals. Welcome to the Forge Ahead Podcast, where we will be discussing how business leaders effectively strategize for success. All right, let's talk business. Hello, and welcome to the Forge Ahead Podcast, where we will be discussing how leaders effectively strategize for success. I'm your host, Frank Vitale, President and CEO of Forge. Forge is a certified veteran business enterprise headquartered in Morgantown, West Virginia. We focus on strategic planning and execution designed to help organizations and businesses find success, growth, and partnership. With particular expertise in small business and government services, Forge uses its knowledge and experience to improve enterprises of all sizes and sectors. On this episode of the podcast, I am pleased to introduce our guests, Chris and Carrie Lilly, owners of Preferred Surfaces. Well, Chris and Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Frank. I'm so glad you, you could join us. First of all, I'd like to hear a little bit about you. So, Carrie, let's go. Okay, Frank. Well, my name is Carrie Lilly, and um, as you mentioned, I'm one of the owners of Preferred Surfaces, along with my husband, Chris. We took over ownership of the company at the beginning of 2022, and we're really excited about the opportunities that uh, exist in the Morgantown area and the surrounding area. It's a custom countertop business, and we also do other surfaces, uh, such as backsplashes and fireplace surrounds, um, lots of different options with lots of different stone materials. Great, great. Well, how about a little bit about your your background? I mean, tell us about you personally. Well, I grew up in Beckley and I uh, graduated from high school there and then moved up to Morgantown in 1999. So let's see, 23 years ago or so now. And um, live here now with my husband, Chris, and we have one little boy, KJ, who's two and a half, and another little boy who will be with us in about four weeks on the way. So um, Morgantown has pulled my whole family here. My sister has since moved here and my parents. And uh, I graduated from mining engineering school at WVU, which is where I met Chris. We both majored in mining engineering, and I went to school and then got our MBAs together, and I uh, have a history of, of a legal career with Bowles Rice Law Firm, as well as having been the general counsel for MEPCO, which was a uh, coal-producing entity in the Morgantown area that supplied coal to the Longview Power Plant. And having been in the energy industry for quite some time, Chris and I were looking for some other opportunities, and um came across Preferred Surfaces, and uh, so that's a, a little bit about me, energy past, but countertop future, I suppose. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Thanks for uh, sharing that. So you have you have a great uh, history, great background uh, for, for business. We're going to dig a little more into that as we get into the podcast, but based on a very important uh, uh, announcement you made there, we probably better move this uh, episode along quickly because in four <laughs> weeks, things are about to change, so. Pretty exciting. Get a little more crazy, but that's okay. I, I like to be busy. Well, that's good. That and, and Chris, you're going to have a chance to be busy as well, uh, no, no doubt. So, uh, Chris, I know that you're uh, born and raised right in Morgan, the Morgantown, West Virginia area. And so, welcome to the podcast. And tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. 
That's right. Frank, born and raised here and educated at WBU as well and have uh, always enjoyed the area and wanted to stick around in the area. And that's one thing that was important to Carrie and I while we looked for preferred surfaces was the ability to make our living here and have a company that we could call our own. My background is energy as well. Uh, I started going to the different mines that my dad operated when I was five years old. And as I got bigger, so did all of my responsibilities, eventually took that company over, successfully ran it for about eight or 10 years, uh, transitioned from thermal coal to metallurgical coal and had to move away from home and had an opportunity to sell the assets out on that business. And Carrie and I started looking for something else to transition into. Energy has been a difficult place to be for the past decade and a half. So uh, we certainly look forward to our future here. Well, electrons weren't going anywhere. Homes aren't either. So we're happy to be in a space that uh, everyone uses and it's uh, appreciated. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, it, it, you know, there's no question that uh, your background, both of you really uh, lends itself to, to being continuous entrepreneurs and uh, and this will be another another opportunity for you to, uh, to to really grow a business. And I know that you're passionate about it. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So preferred surfaces, right? That that's the name of your of your company. And and so you know, how did the two of you you know get to where you are to become owners of preferred surfaces? I mean, what what? How did that journey get started? So I'll I'll turn it over to you. Whoever wants to first address that. I'd say we were responsibility with what success we've had and put ourselves in a position where not only physically and mentally we could handle something like this, but financially we could take something on. And, uh, and we've always been savers and that allowed us to have the wherewith to make a move on something. And, and with the company, it was something that we both found interesting. And the easiest answer to that is, is we spent many months looking around and we spent several days in the car driving around what we considered the footprint of the area, looking for stuff that we could both either agree on or agree to disagree on. And this was one that piqued both of our interests. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's, you know, also often uh, that's sort of how things work, right? They just sort of evolve. And when you're looking for an opportunity, it, you know, something you know, presents itself and sounds like that that's the case here. Um, you know, Carrie, any follow up on that? I mean, any any more like particulars like, you know, you, you were asking around maybe for a business. Did did you have a network at work for you? H- how did that sort of how did you learn about the opportunity at Preferred Services? Well, uh, we we knew the owners of the prior owners of Preferred Services because they had installed the countertops in our current home when we did a remodel back in 2015-2016. And so we So you had were a customer, ex- right? Yeah, we had been a customer. We had had a great experience and um I just have a lot of personal interest in kind of the the creative aspects of the business. I have a real estate broker's license as well and and have a lot of appreciation for the real estate market in our area. And Chris and I were also looking for something that um, I would say for him offered a hands-on component. And there's a lot of machinery that's involved with the fabrication of the countertops. And then there's also um, a nice part of the business that overlays with my background in professional services as well as real estate. And um, having having known the prior owners, we we actually just uh, Chris called that one of the prior owners one day and said. Hey, you know, we were driving around in the car with a legal pad and we both 
kind of thought that your business might be one that we could be interested in. Um, would you be interested in selling? And I think that's kind of how it went. I mean, the process was in the works for a long time in terms of just general discussions, but um, it, it just became a nice fit when we saw the roles that the prior owners were playing in the business and we saw how we might be able to integrate ourselves and also um, had a lot of respect for the success that they'd had in the past, but appreciation for the potential that exists, which we really wanted a business that we knew we could have here in Morgantown that had potential for growth um, on top of a strong foundation. Great, great. Well, well I can uh, add something yeah. important real quick, Frank. One, one thing, we certainly worked our personal network as well as business brokers and everything like that. And, and at the end of the day, it really took her and I taking the activity of looking and reaching out to push anything over the edge. That's the biggest piece of advice that I could give is the on the sourcing of this, it was us looking around and, and calling up people and trying to put a deal together. Really, none of that fell in our lap. And that was probably the most eye-opening part of the experience for me was there wasn't a lot of buy-side help in the marketplace that fit our purchasing ability or we're in the small to middle-sized market in our area. In this region. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, right? I, 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 you know, it's it's my experience that a lot of entrepreneurs or folks that are entrepreneurial and want to own a business are waiting for this like magic thing to happen where, you know, they go to a catalog or a website and they just pick the business they want and it, and they buy it. Right. But it's not like that often. It's, it's doing the things that you, you all have done. It's getting the legal pad, driving around, thinking about relationships that you already have. And, and it sounds to me like making a phone call and, 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 uh, and, you know, introducing the idea or discussing the idea with a potential seller. And a lot of the stuff that we found that was easily, that was easy to find for sale was distressed. So we did not want to buy something that was distressed. We wanted to buy something on a good, solid footing with a good reputation and poised for growth into the future. So a, yeah. lot of, a lot of opportunities quickly self-selected out. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I was looking at something the other day. And in fact, I, I've got a quote here. The overall number of mergers and acquisition deals in the past 12 months ending 30 June 2021 amounted to 16,672, um, which is a t- almost 24 percent increase compared to the previous year. So, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of uh, folks started looking at selling. Uh, as well as as acquiring businesses, particularly out of that first year of the pandemic. Yeah, I don't have any statistics to support this, but as the boomers retire, there are a lot more businesses for sale than there are people to acquire. Yes. Well, and I think facing any hardship, but particularly economic hardship, can force someone to really start to think about their position. You know, maybe it's time to sell. Maybe it's time to retire. Maybe it's time to move on. And so uh, so this, you know, and, and quite frankly, in a market that doesn't see that many mergers and acquisitions, it is refreshing to me to see a couple like yourselves uh, be able to put something together like this. So, you know, you're not a startup, right? You've acquired an existing uh, well-oiled machine, a, a great company that's been around for a couple of decades. And so that's exciting uh, on, on a variety of fronts. Tell us a little bit more about the actual products 
uh, that you uh, that preferred services offers. Sure, Carrie, you alluded to that a second ago. Sure. Well, the majority of the work that we do is countertops um, and other surfaces, but we we focus a lot on we have natural stone, which would be granite, quartzite, marble. Uh, we also have quartz, which is a product that's made predominantly of a natural product and has a binder in it. Um, and we have full slabs. We have a huge selection of these materials on our site, as well as relationships with a variety of vendors in the region where we can source um, very unique products, even if we don't have them on our site. And um, we do the fabrication, which is the cutting and the installation of the product all ourselves. So if somebody is building a new home and they need new countertops, um, maybe they're, or maybe they're remodeling and they are replacing existing countertops or maybe doing a complete remodel where they're getting all new cabinetry in the kitchen, the bathroom, the laundry room. Um, there's been a lot of popularity lately for things like man caves and outdoor grills. Um, and we, we have some special techniques in our fabrication facility that differentiate us from a lot of other fabricators that are in the region in that uh, we can, for example, leather a slab and give it a different type of a finish so that it's not a high gloss sheen. And we can really, um, and we can also with natural stone, there's natural veining in granite, for example, every slab is different. And if you were installing a kitchen island and let's say there was a, a particular feature of the natural stone that you wanted to show up as a centerpiece on your island, we have the ability with the technology that's in our, um, in our shop to cut the slab of stone to position it so that the a particular veining feature or geologic feature that someone might want to have in a certain location can be placed in the way that they would like for it to be. Um, so what else would you say about our products, Chris? We, we offer some ancillary related things such as um, sinks, stainless steel quartz. Uh, we have a, I saw a black stainless steel sink today, which was a really unique thing. So if customers are, you know, looking to uh, whether they're upgrading their countertops only or they're working on a completely new space, there's a lot we can do for the countertops and the backsplashes. Um, we do some work with shower surrounds. And uh, what else would you say, Chris? It's important to mention that everything, every product that goes out that door is a one-off custom piece that's both designed with our team of salespeople and the customer in mind. I mean, no two projects are alike. Uh, even if it's very, very similar footprint homes, they're still completely different and separate. You can change your offsets, you can change your angles, you can lay it out differently, like Carrie said. Material selection, there, there's a smorgasbord of options that someone can take to really make it their own. And uh, it works well in new as well as retrofit, inside, outside, upstairs, downstairs, everywhere. There's a product that price point in the product for everybody in all reality. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I think there's a, probably a misconception out there that, that, you know, these things are so to get anything customized is so expensive. It's only for, for folks, you know, that, that have a, a, a high budget and, 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 uh, and I, and I think there's a little bit of a, of a thought out there that, that, you know, customized uh, uh, granite or other material uh, countertops is maybe 
um, not not something that a that a family with a budget can afford. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure, that's not necessarily the case. There, there's there are different stones at different price points, of course. And I mean, this goes from mild to wild within it. And it, it is a size of job gain. It's on a square footage basis or a linear footage basis. So the larger the kitchen or area, the, there is a price change there. However, uh, it, it's a very, very durable product. It will not wear through like some of the veneered products will, where your color changes through time. It, it's robust. It's durable. It's been on the earth for a long, long time, uh, longer than mankind. And it, it lasts as you, you will most likely dislike the look of it or it will age and become out of style before the product will fail. Before it wears out. Right. Yeah, right. But, but, but this is something that, that a family, you know, could put together. Maybe they select a material that's a little more within their budget, but, but they could have something customized. Is that, is that right? That's right. Yeah. No matter what price point the material is, the, the services carry described with the hand or with the fabrication, and the customization as well as the layout, we handle that the same from top to bottom on the price point. That's great. So there is something for everybody there, Frank. And there's some partnerships available for financing opportunities as well as well to spread it out a little bit. Okay. And and just to be clear, your your right now at least, your geographic region is is what? Probably within two and a half or three hours of Morgantown and a bunch of directions. Okay. As you get to the outskirts of that, uh, we would like to stack some jobs on top of each other to control the costs as a partnership with the customer. Sure. We do, we do a lot of work inside of Maryland, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania, and yeah. some in the Ohio, northern, I'm sorry, northeastern Ohio region. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so regionally, about about two and a half, three hours outside of. The Morgantown, West Virginia, which is for our listening audience, is is about an hour and twenty minutes uh, uh, south of Pittsburgh. So, so clear, clearly, you could go up into the Pittsburgh market if you if if you had a customer uh, uh, or client that that needed to. Let's take a little bit of a shift and talk uh, for you know uh, you know our listening audience. We have we have all kind of folks out there listening and. And, and entrepreneurs, we, we get a lot of uh, folks that are entrepreneurial in nature. And so um, if you could talk us through uh, either one of you about the process of, of acquisition. So we talked about how you became aware of preferred surfaces. Now, transactionally, let, let's focus on the transaction of, of, you know, sort of high level steps that where, you know, where you began and, and sort of when you got to the point of, of getting the keys? Well, that, that was um, an interesting process, I think, to say the least. And given my background, uh, having practiced law and been involved in some variety of business transactions, um, I'd seen some, some similar things in the past of similar size. And so I had some... Um, something to look back on to help, I think, us from a from a transactional perspective and also relied on some colleagues in the area to help us as well. Um, but we started out really with some general discussions and turned those into a term sheet and kind of took it from there, explored some financing options, and it took a little bit to figure out what we felt was the best fit for us 
Um, and we, in the meantime, were getting the assets appraised to try to make sure that we had everything in line to move forward with the financing as needed. Um, in this situation, it was somewhat unique too because one of the prior owners actually passed away um, during the time that we were trying to get everything finalized. But uh, we had we were far enough along in the discussions and had enough of an agreement with both of the prior owners, they were husband and wife, that uh, we were still able to continue on very diligently with everything under the same general understanding. And so really... Um, you know, it, it took reliance upon a, a, a team of who were really trusted advisors in terms of the lenders, the attorneys, um, the appraisers got involved. And um, it took a lot of patience, I think I would say, too, just because all of these things take a lot more time than you think they will. Um we had a lot going on on our side trying to wrap up a prior mining business. And then, of course, the owners who we were negotiating with were trying to run their business in the meantime. So they were very busy. And I think what we found is that it was it was in some ways hard to find time for all of us to sit down together to talk through everything that was necessary to get the deal to actually go through. It wasn't that we didn't agree. It was getting it all on paper and getting everybody together is what took a lot of time and effort. But um, you know, I would say patience as well as a strong team of advisors and also a, a, a tremendous amount of respect and trust is something that came into play in this transaction too, because we really wanted to find a business where we could really trust the people that were there before to help us through the transition and to give us the facts and tell us the way that things are um, so that we weren't walking into a complete range of surprises. And we really had that with these folks, um, given the the strong business that they had built and their credibility and reputation, I think went a long way in giving us the assurance that we needed to move ahead with it as well. Um, what do you think? Well, on the advisor front, you have to find advisors that are proper for your size and place in the world as well. You can't have an advisor that's used to a smaller, too small of a deal nor too big of a deal. They have to fit just right and uh, need good legal advice, good accounting advice, good M&A, at least conversation advice or someone with some experience and need a financial institution to partner with as well. And yeah. transparency with all those people don't keep any secrets. And then the trust side for us, that was fortunate where we had great trust. None of this was hostile. Um, the, the fact that the previous owner passed away during it, we certainly don't want to make it look like this was a hostile transaction. It was never uh, an aggressive transaction on our part. And uh, that, that, that was very, very helpful throughout the whole point. I mean, really, the proper advisors is extremely important. And having a decent idea of, in all reality, our original thought process and deal was not far off from where we wound up. It just took a whole lot more paperwork and time to get there than what, what, it, what, what it seemed it would at first. Sure. And it was, like Carrie said, patience is very important on both ends. And, and the one thing that we stressed to the prior owners that, was that 
operated as if you were going to have it forever throughout the whole time, you know, so that they wouldn't do anything short-sighted. That's what we wanted wanted them to do. And it's important on, on all of this to say, while we selected this as a company for a target for us, it's extremely important for people to recognize that the previous owners recognized us as a potential people to continue their legacy in their business and move it forward. Yeah, I think that's a great, I think it's a great point. Um, so for those of you that are listening by audience, uh, this is great advice, not only for entrepreneurs who are looking to acquire a company, but for sellers, right? So for those of you out there that want to sell your business someday, trust, right? Having, being able to establish trust uh, with the seller uh, or anyone interested in purchasing your company, I think is, is what I'm hearing. Um, and, and then the other thing is these, these trusted advisors, right? You know, I often say, and, and maybe you'll agree or disagree, I don't know, but um, I, I think one of the best ways to get the right advisor, to your point, Chris, about having someone who has the proper experience is to actually ask for referrals. So, so if you know of other business owners that own companies or businesses that are similarly situated, like the size of the deal, the size of the workforce, the size of the company, ask them for advice on what attorneys, what CPAs, you know, what um, uh, lawyers that they have worked with. Um, so I, I think, I think that might, that might be beneficial. And and also for the seller, I think I think if you're looking to sell a business, get some support and guidance from folks you know that are professionals that have similar experience. Would would you all agree with that? Yeah. And a fa- financing partner that understands what you want early on is important as well. Sure. Great point. Great point. I'm sorry, Carrie. Were you going to say something? No, no, I agree. Okay. Thanks. Well, and and then the other thing is, um, I, so I simplified. What probably took you months, maybe years to 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 to, to uh, transact. I simplified it to this: discussions, uh, term sheet, negotiation, advice, contract, close. Right, <laughs> right. So those are the big rocks uh, that that have to be negotiated. Um, but but I think it takes all of those to get you to close the deal. And it sounds like uh, uh, you you uh, deployed all of those. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think that's great. Um, what what advice would you have for uh, a, an entrepreneur that is looking to acquire a, a small business? My first one is is that the business is only as strong as the people that are there. So you have to really secure a home base with the the, the new team that you're going to be working with, as well as your customers. I mean, you've got to make sure that everyone at home is taken care of and and knows who you are and respects you and has the same vision, or at least will believe in your leadership style and and view of the future. So, I mean, what you're really looking at is procedures. It doesn't matter what what kind of widget the company makes. You're looking for uh, people, procedures, and product is really what you're going after. So, making sure that everything's okay with those groups is extremely important and and longevity, strength, willingness to work together and and everything that makes a 
group of people work together good is really what one thing that you want to identify. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great point. I mean, I, you know, and it can cut down on a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, change, right? Because if, if they have a similar value set, um, a similar, you know, uh, uh, set of values that will ultimately lead into the workplace culture, if they're aligned with yours, then there'll be less change that's required, right? To, to continue to carry the business through. So I, I think that's a great, great point, Chris. Carrie, anything from you on that? I think in this specific situation, um, you know, Chris and I to date have really benefited from the strong reputation that preferred services has had in the community and, and, developed because of its hard work and attention to detail and uh, over many decades. So we've really benefited from that. I would say to someone who's looking to acquire a business is to really do your homework on the reputation of what it is that you are acquiring because um, it is more than just a name and, and just products. And we have really benefited from what the prior owners created. But, you know, there could be a situation where somebody could buy a business because maybe they aren't really familiar with the particular community and maybe they get surprised in more of a, a negative way than we have. We've been surprised positively. I think we, we knew it was great, but honestly, the feedback even from participating in the local home show a couple of weeks ago was really just incredible. And, um, I would echo what Chris said about trying to make sure that there's a workforce in place that wants to work together well as a team. And um, I think it's important to, to be realistic about the, the state of the business when it's acquired as well as its potential Um, because and also to realize that to reach the potential, it's going to take more time than what you might hope, um, but that it is there because there's a lot of room for growth in our market, but we want to make sure that we don't change our business model or um, have any less quality than what we've had in the past as we try to grow this. And we want to keep our team of experienced people in place and um, trying to, as an acquirer, I think getting yourself comfortable with the fact that you can rely on the people that are there to stick around with you in the long run to maintain the, the expertise that has always existed, but to carry it forward into the future is really important. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it's not only about seeing the business for what it is today, but for what it can be. And you have to have that vision. So, you know, when we have vision, we can embrace the history of, 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 a, of the company and, and the successes they, that they've had, but it's important to have that vision for the future. And so I think, you know, I think what I'm hearing is that's, that's an important part. You brought up team. You, you said the, the word team, Carrie. So uh, share with our audience, if you would, both of you, your approach to leading a team. What, you know, what, you know, what what is your approach? What's unique about the way you lead? Well, um, I think Chris and I have had different professional experiences, and so he he may have something different than me to say. But 
I think for me, it's first important to take a look at everybody's current position, see what roles they are filling and if they are if if the skills that they have are being utilized to their best ability in their current roles. And if they're not, then look at the team that you have and maybe shift some people around to uh, reallocate their responsibilities among who you already have on the team. And then you can decide if you have any holes that need filled or if you need any other expertise brought in But I think the biggest thing is having a mutual respect among everybody that's on the team for all of the roles, no matter if someone is supposed to have a supervisory role or not. I think there needs to be a mutual of respect for everyone and a willingness for everybody to pitch in and do what it takes to get something accomplished instead of um, having someone who only wants to do a certain job every day. And and we've been very fortunate with everyone we've always worked with in this business and in the past to really have people that have a, a can-do teamwork attitude. And I think that is really critical um, because things happen that are unexpected and you have to be willing to roll with the punches. And that's part of what can make a team successful. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, respect is, is critical, right? You start off with that, you know, I, you know, a friend of mine always says that, uh, uh, you know, everything, success, failure, what have you rises and sets with leadership. And so, you know, your, your employees, your, your, your management team, they're all looking for that leadership. We all need it. We all need to be led at times. And there are times when we have a chance to lead, but, uh, but you start off from a position of respect evaluate the team, try to get people in a situation where they're, they're, they're the, you know, have the opportunity for the most success. Right. And then, and then get them on the right, in the right seat on the bus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Chris, what, what, what's your approach to leadership? Respect and fairness are huge for me as well as honesty. Uh, you know, the, the one thing I've always been, this is a little humbling for me now because we are the new people here and we do not know how to do everything nor, nor know all the processes, but I've always liked to have the ability to do, to know the process well enough, not saying I could ever do it as good as anyone else, but at least have an appreciation for their work. And that's always gone a long way to getting people to have buy-in to want to, to want to help you out and, and work with you. Uh, that That's always been, been huge for, for me and always have worked with people. And in, in my previous life, I always like to say that a shovel fits everyone's hand, you know, don't don't be willing to ask somebody to do something that you're unwilling to do yourself. And I've in in what I did before, we made great strides and were great to our people by making sure that they had a family and a home life as well. Well before that was trendy, we we tried to offer a quality of life as well as work. And uh, if someone has something going on, you know, you have to be at work, you have to do your job, and you have to do your part, of course. But you try and roll with the punches. If you need to go to your kids play or whatever with school, you, you try and accommodate that as much as you possibly can. That's been hugely successful for me in the past and always want people to honor starting time at the beginning of the day, but I've always taken pride in the past of honoring quitting time so people could get home when they're supposed to, as, close, as often as possible. 
Yeah. You know, it's clear to me that uh, both of you are, uh, you care about people. Uh, you care about the, the, you know, the p- people that have been around you and advising you. You care about the folks that, that uh, were involved in selling your business, their business to you. You care about your employees. You care about your customers. And, um, you know, I, I personally believe that uh, if, if you've got the right attitude, the right mindset, good things are going to happen. And so, you know, when we're giving advice to other entrepreneurs, other folks that may be considering buying a business, I think having your mind in the right place, your heart in the right place is an important part. It's as important as, as the, you know, the more, um, you know, the more business end of the transaction, if you will, you know, the, the legal piece and, 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 and the contracts and so forth, you, you've got to have the right mindset. And that's, that's sort of what I'm hearing uh, from both of you. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what you wish you had known about, you know, although both of you have business, a business background, you know, maybe there was something that you kind of wish you had known about or had thought of before you went through the acquisition process. You have to have a contingency fund for that, Frank. And I guess you have to be honest about what the contingency funding should be. And you're always going to miss something foolish or, or small. And just you have to roll with the punches on that stuff and be able to survive the tidal wave of of negative cash flow for a while and and be ready for that. And then also you have to evaluate it the whole way through and make sure that it is trending in the right direction. Um, Give us a, a, Chris, if you would uh, give us an example or two, doesn't have to be specific to your business, but generally when you say contingency fund, what are some of the contingencies that, that someone might have to look out for? The one that burned me the most mentally on this was paying tax on the vehicles after we bought them. Just completely missed that. It's not a huge amount of money, but it's noticeable in the first month that you do that. And you got to get that all in point before you did anything else. That was an example here. So there's some small stuff like that that eats up an enormous amount of time at first, not to mention bringing your new procedures and processes into, into the business. Everything's different for everybody, including the employees. So, I mean, step one is making sure everybody gets paid on their first payday. And then step two is making sure your vendors get paid before they're supposed to as well so that you can keep that level of trust and integrity up. And the first time in implementing any kind of a new system, it always takes longer than the next time. So there was lots of contingency, non-financial contingency planning there where that was more difficult the first time than it will be the nth time. Uh, There were some small supply issues and uh, equipment operating issues just in views and visions of how we like to operate versus somebody else. That's not a positive or negative statement, but just what I've been used to having to work with. It's some stuff that we brought to the table that I would put in contingency funding and we're still getting there uh, through time. We're doing that as cash flow allows. Yeah. Now I think that's a great point. And that gets back to the advisors, you know, making sure that, that, you know, some things you have to learn on your own, there's no question, but having that, that tax, you know, advisor that can say, hey, you know, in an acquisition, these are the things that need to be planned for. Maybe you work with a lender to make sure that you've got enough, you know, resources to, to get you up and running for the first few months. But, but you know, that's a great lesson to share with others that, you know, you might want to be prepared for some, there, there are going to be, you know, things that you have to adjust to. 
And so uh, I, I think that's great advice. I've always been cautious of pro forma financial statements as well, because it's extremely easy to make money on paper. It's the execution in that you have to watch out for. So, I mean, I've always, I, I, I like to do performers on the bottom side of the scale. You know, like, what's this look like on the bad side and unraveling and then work back into good, uh, kind of plan for the worst and hope for the best. And, uh, and that, that's always been helpful for me because a lot of times people put grandiose financial plans together and, and you oversell the ability and everything that, the, that you could possibly do yourself. And you're really set up for failure right off the get-go in terms of too much debt load, too much, just not enough cash flow to support what you're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. Uh, I spent a lot, a lot of years in the banking world, and we would often say that one of the biggest reasons that business plans fail is an overstated performa. And so I, I think I think that's that's great. Carrie, any thoughts? You know, what 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 do you wish you had known that you know up front that you didn't know now re- related to 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 kind of uh, acquisition lessons? I think you know everybody sort of thinks that they know this, and it sounds really simple, but. At the heart of all of the challenges that we have come across, whether it was in the negotiation phase, um, due diligence, or post-acquisition, I think really everything comes down to communication. And we have found, um, for example, after we closed on the business acquisition, the, the challenges that we may have with customers or suppliers or or employees or even between the two of us really just comes down to whether or not we took the time to make sure that we listened to the other person and then communicated what we thought needed to happen. And um, there's just so many things that can be streamlined in every interaction or transaction if you just take the time to listen and then follow up and communicate and ask the question if you don't know the answer and make sure that you're listening to what it is. Um, and uh, I just have gained a new appreciation, I think, for that because even little nuances that we have, we're dealing with a lot of details with customers who are you know, trying to make their homes beautiful in so many ways. And they're relying upon us to be one of the last people that come in to almost put the, the final touch on something that they're doing. And if we're not very careful in what we are doing in terms of communicating with our customers, as well as within our organization about our processes on what we need to do to accomplish this, And then it also flows through to our vendors, make sure that we have the products that we need to have when we need to have them. And so to me, it was just really a big reminder of something that seems so simple is is you just, you have to talk about the details. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's let's dive into something, you know, uh, Chris, you mentioned something earlier that made me think that you know, as you're going, you know, sort of once you agreed to terms, right, with the seller, so that um, so that things like um, uh, supply chain is in place. Uh, you know, you don't want to hiccup in the in the invoicing, right? You, you know, you want to keep that that 
you know, uh, AR, uh, uh, you know, in place and, and so forth. Um, you know, you know, what are your thoughts on working with the seller to sort of evaluate and put a, you know, an intermediary plan in place to make sure those things continue during the transaction? Did, did you do any of that? Do you have any thoughts on doing that? Uh, I believe we did that in a reasonable fashion. I think we, we handled that decently well, Frank. It was kind of a cold, uh, she was good enough to purchase any supplies for the most part, all the major stuff at the normal timetable that would have been done had she continued ownership of the business after we took it over. So there were no surprises there. And that goes back to the, the trust factor. Um, Likewise, in your due diligence, you want to make sure that the par levels of inventory aren't taken to the bare minimum to overinflate your financial statements and make it look like the business is doing. There's all kinds of tricks that you can do to make the business look better. And we had complete trust in, in, in that process that it was being operated as if they'd operate it forever. That doesn't directly answer your question there. There, there were some vendor hiccups where we had where they... We submitted a new credit app and they argued with us and said, this is different. We can't put this in the system. And it's like, yeah, it's different because you wanted us to fill a new one out. So, I mean, <laughs> those, those were some odd hiccups. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. So, you know, it's not just about managing the relationship on the transaction. You know, you then have to, you have, you have a workforce, right? You have to manage those relationships. Um, you have, um, you have vendors, you know, or, or, you know, more, you know, commercial kind of buyers, right. For, for your, for your products. And then you have the individual buyer, right. The homeowner uh, that you have to, you know, that you have coming in the door. Right. I mean, so, so there's different pockets of, uh, and then your suppliers, as you mentioned. So it's, it's really, it's really about relationships, but, but juggling a lot of balls in the air. Right. In our business, there are a lot of direct consumers, however, a whole lot of influencers on which direction the customer can go. So you yeah. definitely have to take care of each touch point in a way differently, but everyone has to be handled properly and taken care of and their expectations met. And this is this is the line of mistakes are going to happen in any type of business. And it's not the mistake happens. It's always how you handle the mistake after it does. It doesn't matter if that's an internal or an external issue. You always want to make it right with good faith as quickly as possible. And that's something that we've always done. Uh, my background being heavily, heavily regulated. And uh, the, the you got extra points is a bad way of saying it, but it did not go unnoticed if you took something out of service the moment something was wrong with it and addressed the problem immediately. And that's the mentality that we'll take towards this, both to our customers and to our employees, is, is to stop what we're doing and, and make sure things are right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. I think that's great. So, okay. So I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm building a house or I'm renovating my house or, or maybe I'm putting uh, an office in that I want, I want custom countertops in. So I'm, I'm a potential customer. Um, you know, why, why should I, you know, why, A, why should I consider preferred services? And B, what do I do to, to reach out and, and get a quote or, or learn about your, your different uh, products? You know, how do I engage? 
How do I engage you at preferred surfaces? Well, the best way to come and see what we can do to beautify your space is to come to our showroom, which is on Road, right across from Milan Park. And we have um, out there, right? And we have the ability to force other things if we don't have them readily available. Um, I would say that it's it's a good idea for the customer to give a little thought to what they, if they have pictures of something that they aspire to have their space look like to give us an idea of what they are after. Uh, it's also good for us to have pictures of the existing space so that we can see what it is that we're working with. Um, if you have a cabinet layout, but but really come and come and see us. You can visit our website, preferredservices.com. We have a Facebook page as well. Um, but it's hard to to substitute for looking at natural stone in person. So if somebody wants to come out, even if it's a, a sunny day and if it's after hours and we don't have folks there, you can come out and walk around our yard. Just be careful not to knock a heavy slab on top of yourself, <laughs> but come out there and, and take a look and then call us if you'd like and make an appointment and um, we'll make sure that there's a salesperson that's ready to assist you whenever you uh, want to take the next step. That's great. That's great. So you're you're out on uh, uh, is it Chaplain Hill Road, right? That's yes. Chaplain Hill Road. Chaplain and, Road. Yeah, Chaplain Road in in the Morgantown uh, 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 area, uh, out off of, uh, of uh, Interstate 79, and so um, so not not too far from there, right across from Milan Park. And so I definitely I've been out there myself, and so I definitely recommend others uh, stop out and. Uh, it's very impressive. It's an it's an impressive operation that you have, and so so I encourage folks who may be interested to uh, uh, to see for themselves and uh, and get out there and take a look. Um, the uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to just ask you if um, if I'm putting a budget together with my builder, uh, my contractor, um, do you recommend that I get preferred services involved? Before I finish that contract with my builder to get to get pricing or or is it okay to bring you in after the contract's executed? When do you like to be a part of the uh, uh, construction pro, you know project? You would certainly have to have your drawings and know what you want since everything's custom, Frank, the more information the customer can bring to us the better. That's where this is extremely difficult in the, everyone's used to having a price. You go to the store and everything's labeled with a price on it. Well, while our products are priced, the size of your job's different from everyone else's, which really changes that. So some firm engineering plans are always helpful. And uh, the, the builder, it's always great to run it through the builder when you're doing something commercial like that so that they can help guide it through the process. And uh, they know when to dispatch different subcontractors for the, for the processes that are being done in the inputs into the house. So, I mean, it would be good to work with them. And if it's, if it's, so if you're working with a builder or a designer that doesn't currently work with us, you can engage us as soon as possible and we'll help through that process. Yeah. It sounds to me like if I want a particular, you know, slab or, or I want, you know, I, I want something special 
maybe I, I tell that to my contractor and say, look, you know, I, I want in the contract, not just to have countertops, but I want to work with preferred surfaces. I, I, I want that, that in there. And then I want to go out with you, the, the contractor potentially, and go out and take a look at the inventory. And we have many companies that demand that their customers work with us on the contract basis. If it's not, they, they, their contracts specifically state to use preferred surfaces as well. That's the faith that they have in our company through experience, okay. uh, both in the remodeling world and in the new fabric, new, new home world. Um, the, the one difficult thing there is and just advice on that process would be that make sure that the allowances are in, in, in line with what you would like to have, that the contractor is giving you reasonable allowances. So that might push at least a preliminary discussion earlier into the building process than others. Yeah. Yeah. Cause over, overruns can get you. So, uh, yeah. well, this is great. And, uh, our, our, our time is coming to, uh, to a, a close here soon, but before we go there, I, I would ask each of you respectively to give us sort of your final thoughts on, on acquiring a business, uh, uh, on, on your experience so far, or just any general advice that you would want to give our, our listening audience. So uh, we'll, we'll start with you, Carrie. I would say overall that Chris and I feel really fortunate to have the opportunity that we do with Preferred Surfaces. And we are uh, very thankful to the workforce that is there who is sticking around with us and who's being patient with us through the transition, as well as our customers, um, whether they be individual homeowners or the builders, designers, and the vendors who have really continued their relationships with the company the same as if the prior owners had remained. Also, a big thank you to uh, Bradley Hughes, who's sticking around, who is one of the prior owners, and her expertise remains with us. We're trying to learn as much as we can, you know, from her and, Really, this isn't something that Chris and I could ever be successful at on our own. Um, And it's going to take a lot of work by us, of course, but we we need the help of a lot of people. And um, we're thankful for those that have stood with us so far. And we think we have a lot of potential. We're really excited about the opportunity. That's great. Thank you very much. And Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's always, I've always enjoyed small and medium-sized businesses and all the excitement that comes with them as well as the drama. And uh, this has been enjoyable every day so far. And it's been humbling at times to learn the different things and the different jargon. And all the people have been wonderful to teach myself and carry the craft. And uh, learning from everybody has been great. And it uh, this is a drastically different industry for us so don't be afraid to try something different and as long as you work diligently and make the right decisions and think it through you can be successful in in other activities as well well i think you may have saved uh, the most sage advice for the for last don't be afraid to try something different right which is something that you've done you know i think one of the things that make make you special in in my experience uh, with you is is your humility uh, that, you know, how you care about other people, you know, not, not only your workforce, but your customers and your neighbors and, and everybody, uh, you know, all of your contractors, it's just, it's in your nature. So I know that you're going to be successful. 
I can easily recommend that other people uh, come to Preferred Services uh, for your products and services. I myself am a customer of Preferred Services, so so that makes it kind of easy. And uh, we're so grateful for your advice. This is very helpful um, for our listening audience, uh, for entrepreneurs that uh, really want to you know, actually make that acquisition that have been thinking about it for a long time. And now they'll listen to your story and they'll have the courage to do so. So uh, I want to thank you and want to thank you for for, uh, being my guest. So thanks for tuning in to the Forge Ahead podcast. I'm your host, Frank Vitale, president and CEO of Forge. I'd like to thank our producer, uh, Lindsay Quinlan. Uh, To find uh, more podcast episodes and to learn about Forge, Please visit our website, forgebz.com. Subscribe to the Forge Ahead on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you have any questions or want to get in touch, feel free to contact us at max at forgebz.com. Thank you all. And I appreciate you being on our podcast today. Thanks for tuning in to the Forge Ahead podcast. To find more podcast episodes and to learn more about Forge, visit our website at forgebz.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Show us how your company is forging ahead. Tag us on social media or use the hashtag Forge Ahead podcast.